0: Well, good morning, All Nations Church. It's great to be with you this morning. It's my privilege and my honor to be able to to share the word with you this morning. Uh, If we've not met, my name's Josh. I've been coming here for most of my life now, uh, around 22 years. And it's really, really, like I said, just my privilege and my honor to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, If it's your first time, you're actually so welcome here. It's great to have you on board. Um, Hopefully you're going to enjoy what we do. I'm going to speak for the next 20, 25 minutes just about the story of Jesus and what he's done. Um, I'm passionate about that. I believe that he's changed the world and he's changed my life. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I just want to say, wherever you are, I'm sorry that we can't meet as a family here today, but I'm sure we're all meeting with each other in our our houses, wherever we decided to meet this morning. I just pray that this is going to bless you and that we're going to have a great, great time together. Uh, I'm going to be continuing the story in Exodus, looking at Exodus 12, which is uh, specifically the Passover and the final plague. Uh, This is. Just continuation of what Richard was talking about last week, uh, just to set the scene again, the Israelites have been in captivity for uh, 400 years now under Pharaoh, and they are waiting to be released, waiting for God to show up and say, hey, this is, this is what I'm gonna do. I've promised I'm gonna take you to, to a land, and uh, that's what's gonna happen soon enough. So this is gonna be the final play that leads to their freedom. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna read from Exodus 12 verse one to seven to start off with. So it says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male year old, You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Now just to jump to verse 12 later on. It says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on the gods of Egypt, I will execute my judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And this shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast." Will you join me in praying? Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have just to uh, meet together wherever it is, in our homes, with friends, in coffee shops, wherever we decided to meet. Lord, I pray that you would just be with us. Thank you for the fact that we can still have church online no matter what's going on. Thank you for the fact that you are still constantly in control. Uh, I pray for every single person here as we uh, meet this morning and hear about you. I pray that you would speak through me and that you would begin to reveal yourself more and more to each and every person here. I pray for every single person that's listening that they would just feel a sense of peace and a sense of your presence this morning as we continue. Amen. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like you've missed the point? Uh, whatever that may look like. For me, it's often I'm communicating with people such as my parents or whoever it is at home and we're talking about something and you know it ends up maybe slightly turning into a little bit more of a heated argument or whatever it is or a heated discussion, let's call it. And uh, I realized afterwards that we were both saying exactly the same thing and I'd missed the point or one of them had missed the point. Most, most often then, obviously. But um, no, just playing. But obviously, it was one of us had missed the point. It happens all the time. I'm reading a text message from someone. It comes across. So I, re- I read it in a certain way. And I think, gosh, I don't know why that person said that. And it turns out they were actually encouraging me or saying something on my behalf just to protect me and look after me. And it turns out that I yet again had missed the point. I've grown up in church my entire life. I've grown up reading this story countless times. I've seen the veggie tales of it. I've seen the Prince of Egypt. I've seen pretty much every way that you can do this story. I think that I've, uh, I've experienced that or I've seen it. But I actually, I realized since I moved out to Seattle about a year ago, when we talked about this story, I realized that I'd grown up in church completely missing the point. Completely missed the point of what this entire story was about. This entire entire story is about Jesus. This entire story is a foreshadowing of Jesus and what he was going to come to do for us. And I cannot believe that I, I turned around and spoke to someone and said, I cannot believe that I've missed this for so long. Okay, there was a gap in my knowledge here of reading the Old Testament, not even expecting to find Jesus there and realizing that when I looked here, Jesus was right in front of me. It was even more obvious than I realized when I came back and looked just a few years later. I wonder if this has ever happened to us. I'd like to suggest this morning that many of us who have been in this kind of environment or on this journey for a while now may have forgotten what the point is or you maybe need a reminder of what the point is and that's okay. A reminder just like the Israelites had when they used Passover. They used Passover to celebrate and to remind them. Verse 14 says, this shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to a Lord throughout all your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. This is to remind them of what Jesus has done, well, what God has done in this situation for them. I think for some of us, we often miss the point, like I said in here, that this is all about Jesus. This entire book is made up of stories all about Jesus. From the beginning to the end, it's all about Jesus and what he's done. If we were to have a look at the lamb for the first of all, the lamb that the Israelites are instructed to use, the lamb is a foreshadowing, the lamb is Jesus. Okay, I'd forgotten that the lamb was perfect and spotless without blemish. It says that the lamb for the requirement couldn't be, had no fault with it, was to be perfect and spotless. Jesus is often referred to as the Lamb of God. If you go to John 1.29, John John the Baptist first sees Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The first time someone sees him, he is called the Lamb of God straight away. That's how he's known. 1 Peter 1.19, later on in the Bible says, But the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. But the precious blood of Christ, who like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. This comes up so many times in scripture. I don't have time to go through all the, all the amount of times he comes up as a lamb, but there are so many. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus was perfect, that God is perfect? The fact that they were able to live in this broken world and live such a perfect life. I'd completely forgotten about this. I'd missed the point again that the lamb was spotless. The lamb was perfect. And that's why it was willing to be sacrificed. That's why it had to be sacrificed. Why don't you just take a minute and just think about the fact that God is perfect. Jesus is completely perfect. There is nothing wrong with him. There's nothing at all that he's ever done wrong and ever will do wrong. It says the blood of the lamb in verse 13 was to be a symbol and a sign to the angel of death that was coming that night as the last plague. Death was a guarantee for every single one of the Israelites that night. Every single person in Egypt, in fact, unless there was something that they could do about it, unless God provided them with a way of escape, with a means of escape, with a means of saving them. And he did. He came up with a plan. He said, I want you to take a perfect, spotless male lamb that you were going to sacrifice that night. And that night you're going to cover each door door, um, frame, the lintel, whatever they called it back then, that was going to be covered with the blood of a lamb. But only for that night. I realized this, the the lamb, the protection for that regular lamb was only going to be for that night. Okay, death was only, only put off for that night. This was a temporary sacrifice and God knew that it was going to be a temporary sacrifice for the Israelites and that he was going to have to provide another sacrifice further along the line that would save them once and for all and everyone to come after that. The blood of the lamb is what set them apart from the people of Egypt. It's what set them apart. It's what made them different. It's how the angel knew these have been covered by the blood of the lamb, which God has told them to do. They've been instructed by God and they are therefore covered by God. But what does this mean for us as we are not the Israelites living in captivity? If we go to Hebrews nine twenty-four to 26, in the Prassian translation, it says, For the Messiah did not enter into the earthly tabernacle made by men, which was but an echo of the true sanctuary, but he entered into heaven itself, into heaven itself to appear before the face of God in our place. Under the old system, year after year after year, the high priest entered the most holy sanctuary with the blood that was not his own. But the Messiah did not need to repeatedly offer himself year after year, for that would mean that he must suffer repeatedly ever since the fall of the world. But now he has appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to abolish sin once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. It's one of my favorite passages. So the beginning of that, it says God didn't enter into our man-made tabernacle. There's no power there. He didn't need to enter where we could already enter, where we could feel the mistakes that we've made, where we could amend for the wrong that we've done, where we could amend for the sin that was caused by us we could have entered into there. The Israelites, like it said, the high priest would have entered in year after year to come in with sacrifices of blood that wasn't his to try and amend for the wrong of him and his people in order for God to be right with them again, to mend their relationship that they were broke through sin. But it said that, but now Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who's entered in to heaven where we couldn't enter. He's gone where we couldn't go and he fixed the issues that we couldn't fix. He's entered into heaven, he says, on our behalf. He's appeared in front of God himself and said, look at what I've done for these people. I've done exactly what you've asked me to do. He says, appeared at the fulfillment of the ages to abolish sin and and once for all through the sacrifice of himself. There's nothing that you or I could have done about this. There's nothing that we could have done. We had no part to play in this. The Israelites, when thousands of years later, when Jesus died, they had no part to play in this. It was God who made the sacrifice this time. Jesus willingly gave himself, willingly came down and died for us all. If the blood of the lamb on that night was to save them from death, how much more would the blood of Jesus, the perfect lamb, the lamb of God, save you and save me from the sin and the wrong that we've done? How much more will the Lamb of God cover you from what you've done? How much more will he come close to you and say, actually, no, what you've done, I've totally forgiven it. You're totally right with me now. I've even gone to God himself on your behalf and said, no, no, that person I love and I've died for him and I've taken away his sin. When God sees you now, he sees Jesus. He sees you covered in the blood of the lamb and what Jesus has done for you already. You are forgiven. You're accepted forever. God is not far away now. Jesus is not far away. He's close to you. He wants to be with you. He wants to have perfect relationship with you. This is why he died for you. You are forgiven forever. I don't know if you've ever been forgiven properly by someone. But it brings off a weight. It takes away a guilt. It takes away any shame from what you've done. It takes all the power out of it. There is now no power in sin anymore. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he who knew no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We might become right with God because Jesus, who knew no sin, like we said earlier, he's the perfect lamb, died, took your place where we should have died and has now made us right with God forever. Like I said, he sees Jesus now when he looks at you. He sees the finished work of Jesus covered over you. Like I said, the Israelites had an involvement when it came to saving themselves there that night. Death was coming, we know that, but God instructed them to go and prepare the sacrifice and do the sacrifice themselves. There was some work involved for the Israelites when it came to saving them from their death that night or saving the firstborn. There's nothing, like I said, we did to earn this for Jesus. I had no involvement in the sacrifice of Jesus. It was all him. It was all God. He took it all on himself, which takes away any, any excuse for me to try and play a part in it. I didn't do anything. I don't deserve it. I, I cannot earn it. We have such a reward-based system in our lives. It only takes us to look around on social media or Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. People are constantly taking credit for things. People are constantly showing off, showboating. Hey, look what I've done. Look how much I've earned this. Look at this new, this new house i bought. Look at these new clothes I've bought. Okay, look what I've done. Everyone wants to take the credit. Okay, this is something I cannot ever take credit for. There's no work for me involved here, unlike the Israelites. There's no catch. There's no, hey, I'm gonna save you from death, but this is what you need to do. No, Jesus has already done it all. All you need to do is accept and receive this finished work. I don't want to miss the point. I don't want to miss the point. I miss the point. This, isn't, this book isn't about me. This book is about Jesus and what he's done for me and how that changes me. I want to take the focus off me and put it onto God and what he's done, not what I've done. Otherwise, again, I've missed the point. I've missed the point. I think Jesus wants us to focus more on what he's done and let what he's done overwhelm you rather than what you've done wrong and sin overwhelm you. Later on in Hebrews, in that chapter, it goes on to say that he remembers your sins no more. Just think about that. Jesus doesn't even remember your sins anymore. And yet you're still tormenting yourself or reminding yourself or reminding others of what they've done. That's not how we want to focus. That's not what we want to focus on. Jesus wants us to focus on him and what he's done and let that overpower the sin in your life. Because he's already beaten it. He's already beaten it. There's nothing else you have to do except for accept it. One of my favorite sayings I've heard recently is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I don't think that could be more true. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's already done. It's already done. We're no longer dead to sin. Sin has no hold on you anymore, but you are made alive in Jesus. His blood gives you new life, gives you an excuse to say, hey, yeah, I messed up, but Jesus died for me. He loves me. There's nothing I could have done to deserve this. Hebrews 10.10 goes on to say, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So not only does Jesus die for us and go, okay, that's fine. He's continually working with us to sanctify us through his spirit to make us more and more and more and more like him. Every single day you can wake up and know that you're following Jesus and Jesus has taken you into a journey that takes you closer and closer and closer to being more and more like him. This love is unlike anything you could ever experience on here on earth. It's something that is, goes beyond understanding, something I and you will never be able to fully understand, someone dying for you in a place where you didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve for him to take your place. What you deserved was for you to be punished for your sin, but God said, No, I'm gonna step in and say, Hey, I'm gonna send my son on your behalf. He's gonna die for you. Let's just take a minute and say that God isn't angry with you. Jesus is not angry with you. I know this is may sound obvious, but this this comes around in church a lot. People are, are worried about God being angry about them. This God that this God is distant and that he is An angry, fierce God that wants to punish you. He's not, he, if God was angry at you, he wouldn't have sent his only son, his only son, to die for you. He sent his son to die in your place so that you may have life and life to the full, to enjoy the benefits of a full relationship with God. He doesn't do that if he's angry at you. God hasn't distanced himself, he is now close to you. He's closer than he ever will be. He doesn't distance himself from you go, I know what you've done, get away. He says, no, I know what you've done and that's what qualifies you. Come close to me. If we have a quick look at verse 25 to 27 later in Exodus, from that passage from Exodus 12, it says, And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck Egypt, but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshiped. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. I missed the point of the Passover again. The Passover was a remembrance, a reminder, a memorial like they said late earlier in verse 14. It was to remind the Israelites of what Jesus had done, what God had done. God had stepped in. God had revealed himself to be who he truly was to them. And there was no way that they wanted to let themselves forget that. We are prone to forgetting as human beings about what God has done for us. God could do the most crazy, amazing thing, but for some reason, in the state that we live in, we just constantly forget. We need reminding. We miss the point. I've missed the point. And I think the reason that I've missed the point is because something else has been emphasized and that this main point no longer becomes the main point. This main point is Jesus and what he's done for us. This is a celebration. This is a remembrance, a celebration. Like we said, the Passover was for them to celebrate every year. They would set aside their entire day to take a day out and say, hey, remember what God did. Remember that time that God showed up for us. Remember that time that God stepped in. He gave them a way out when there was looked like there was no way out of Egypt. Later on, Pharaoh was going to go to release them out of captivity. That 400 years where they sat down and said, where was God? What was he doing? He showed up. He provided them a way out. What if we built community that were more based on Jesus and what he's done and reminding each other of what Jesus has done for us rather than what we've actually done? What if we could focus on him and his grace rather than on ourselves and where we feel like we are? What if we reminded each other of the truth? What if our church was built on this foundation, the fact that Jesus died for you, his grace is enough for you, he loves you, he's not far from you, he wants to be close to you, he wants to have a relationship with you, he loves you? What if we were known as a church for that? What if we were known as a group of people that just loved each other, forgave each other, just exactly the way Jesus did? We live Love and look like Jesus. That's a community I want to be a part of. That's a community we are a part of. I just we don't want to miss the point. Don't miss the point on this. Don't miss the point. Remember Sunday is coming up and I love it every time of year. I we take our two minute silence to remember what someone has done, what someone has done for us, the freedom that we now have in this country because of what those people have done. The soldiers gave their lives. They took. We take time now to remember them, to honour them, to thank them of what they've done. And I don't know about you, but every single year, I stand there for, with our two-minute silence and I'm overwhelmed with a sense of just gratitude, just gratefulness. I'm just overwhelmed by it. That's what communion is now for us. We don't have the Passover, we have communion where we share the blood of Jesus and, the, and his body through the bread. We take time to remember, we take time to remind ourselves of the truth. Tell us, Take time to remind ourselves of what the whole point is. It's, it's Jesus. It's always, it always is, always has been, always will be Jesus. And as we're going to have communion after this, Just take time, just sit there for a minute to think about all the things we've talked about today. Jesus was perfect. Just think about the fact he was perfect. He died for you. What does that mean? You're forgiven forever. You're right forever. You're accepted forever. There's no shame anymore. There's no condemnation in Jesus. He's not angry at you. He loves you. He wants to draw close to you. Like I said, we want to build a community here where that is our main focus. We don't want to miss the point. I don't want to miss the point anymore. But Jesus is our teacher. He's going to continue to remind us and continue to guide us and point, ourselves, point, him, point us back to him. Sorry. He's going to constantly remind us he's the teacher. He is the point. He is the main focus. He's the main thing that we build our lives on. That's why the church exists is because of Jesus. Romans 8.38.39 says, There is no power above or beneath us no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Through our Lord Jesus. Like I said, there is no power that could ever be found in the universe. Nothing can take this away from you. Not how you're feeling, not what other people have said, not the things that you've done. Nothing is gonna now separate you from this love that Jesus has provided for you on the cross. But I encourage you, if you're not in, in a small group, just to really encourage you to be a part of one, where you can get in a small community, share with each other how you're feeling, but more importantly, remind each other of what's important, what the main point is. Pick each other up when you're feeling down. That's what a community is. That's what a community is about. Earlier in that verse, it says, if they didn't have enough people to get a lamb for themselves, they were to share Community is just so important at this time. Can I honestly encourage you? I'm in a small group at the moment and it's great. We get to meet up every week and remind each other of what the main point is, of who Jesus is, of what he's done and how that changes you. And i tell you what, there's a sense, there's an overwhelming sense of, wow, this is, this is what the point is. There's something inside of you that just goes, yeah, the forgiveness of Jesus. That is, that is the point. I don't want to continue to sway from the point anymore. And gratitude finally leads to worship, which is what we're gonna do after this. Can I encourage you to take some time just to think about this week, each morning, each evening, whenever it is for you in the shower. Okay, just think about what it is that Jesus has done for you. Just think about it, let it change, because that should change the way I see people. That should change the way that I live my life. It will change the way that I relate to my parents, I relate to my friends, I relate to my colleagues, the way that I act. It's going to change the way that I do things because it comes from this place where I'm not entitled anymore. It says, wow, I've been given everything through Jesus. He's given me absolutely everything. So all I can do is give myself back to him. Would you join me to pray to finish? Jesus, we thank you for the moments that we're able to share with each other online. God, I pray for every single person that's heard this, Lord. I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself more and more to them. God, I pray for an overwhelming sense of peace for anyone who's anxious or anxieties that are still roaming around. Lord, I know that um, it's a difficult time for all of us. Lord, I pray for anyone who feels isolated alone. I pray that you would just comfort them. I pray that you would draw near to them and that you would just remind them of who you are. I pray for anyone as well, Lord, that feels like God is mad at them. Jesus is angry at them. We touched on it earlier. God is not angry at you. God, I pray that you would just overfly with your love now to each and every person hearing this, that you would replace fear with love. You would replace fear with love, Jesus. Yeah, amen. Okay, we're gonna head into communion now. Like I said, I encourage you to take a minute just to remember with whoever you're with, have a great week.